Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Voices of the Vic with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Aiton. Ben, how are you doing this Sunday morning as we record? Um, doing all right. Um, not liking that we're going into another um, lockdown. Um, that's not nice for, for anyone to go through. Um, but luckily, um, football's going to continue, which we've seen. So yeah. hopefully that will give us a bit of hope to get through it. But yeah, other than that, all good my end. How are you, mate? Good, good. Yeah, no, I, I echo what you say there. You know, obviously gutting about the lockdown news that come out last night. Um, if they think it's going to bring a little bit of normality for Christmas and mean that families can mix, then listen, I'm all for it. But yeah, we won't go into that. It's a, it's a Watford podcast, not a uh, House of Commons podcast. So, um, but yeah, um, great that football's continuing. Although after yesterday, do I really think that? Uh, would locking football down have been the worst thing in the world? Probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for asking. But ladies and gents... It isn't just me and Ben that are recording today. So we sort of been throwing hints out all week um, in our social media and stuff like that. Uh, and as you've seen, firstly, before I announce what I'm about to announce, me and Ben just want to say a massive thank you to everybody that follows us on Twitter. We did on Saturday night, was it? Ben? No, Friday night, was it? We hit the yeah. 1,000 followers mark, which for a podcast which has been going for four months six six four months uh it's four months isn't it then started in yeah, June. four months so yeah. a podcast which started in four months to to get to the thousand followers mark this early on we're completely over the moon and we we thank you for the support so we we genuinely wouldn't do it if if the support wasn't there so we want to thank you on that but now that we've hit the thousand followers mark we want to sort of pursue some of the the things that we've we've got planned and, and one of those is for the bigger games where the games are, are more interesting and the, the games that I suppose are, are big on paper we want to bring a third person in because sometimes between me and Ben it, we struggle to cover everything between us two so we've actually brought in James Batchelat from the Watford Way. James how are you doing? Very good, Mike. Very good. Um, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's obviously a real pleasure. Um, I'm glad that I've kind of become your third member, uh, yep. you know, as such. And um, yeah, it's, just, it's been really, really good to see how quickly um, you and Ben have grown the podcast over the past few months. And um, hopefully I can add a little bit more insight um, from a slightly younger Watford fan. And um, <laughs> hopefully everyone enjoys listening to me. Yeah. No, absolute pleasure to bring you on. Obviously, if you don't know already, James is the founder of the Watford Way fan page. Uh, go and check them out on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Um, yeah, James does a superb job there. And I think James is brought in to make us, me and Ben, feel a little bit older because you're, uh, <laughs> you're 19, James. I think you were telling me the other day, what year was your yeah. first Watford game? Was it 2003, yeah. was it? Yeah, something like that. Obviously, um, I was only like three years old then, so yeah. I probably can't remember too much. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so been supporting we'll Watford my whole life. Um, started going regularly um, in the mid two thousands with with my family, and then pretty much been a season ticket holder the whole of the past decade. So um, yeah, good stuff. Big good Watford stuff. fan, um, obviously Watford podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you'd be on the wrong podcast if you wasn't. Charles. Yeah, certainly. Would. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. It's, 
repeat myself here, but obviously, again, great pleasure. And um, yeah, let's get into the game. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, we have to, gents. That's why we sat recording this today. We, we have to talk about yesterday. Um, I was so frustrated yesterday uh, watching that game. Uh, we'll start from the very beginning, as always. The team news. Now, when this team news come out, I'll run through the changes in a minute in the team itself. But much like Tuesday, I looked at that side and I thought, here we go. This is what we want to see as Watford fans. And look how Tuesday ended up. We were lucky to come away with a point. But he... Ivic made two changes from Tuesday night. So the two changes were Cabot and Quinner come out of the team and Wilmot and Chalaba come in, meaning that the team was Foster, Femenia, Kafkar, Trustakong, Wilmot and Semmer. Um, that was sort of like a back five, five three two, three five two, however you want to look at it. Um, and then in the middle, it was Kapu, Cleverly and Chalaba. And then again, I'll, I'm going to ask you in a minute, uh, James, your view on this, but Joe Pedro and Sarah up top. Um, firstly, James, I want to get your view on that starting eleven. Um, what going into it, looking at it on paper, what what was you thinking when when you saw yeah, that team so, at two o'clock? Yeah, so naturally, I'm I'm against the the five at the back formation that that Ivic has has used in in the first few games of the Championship season. It's just for me, um, it doesn't allow us um, enough attacking prowess going forward I just feel like it limits us a lot mm. um, you know obviously a lot of good players in there good to see Kapu get another start um, Chalaba I know you quite like Chalaba Mike but I'm not really <laughs> yeah. a fan of his um, o- like overall it's what I expected from Ivich but not what I would have picked at all yeah, no, very, very interesting. And you, you say, obviously, I've talked about Chalabra at length on this podcast, and I do feel like he was being made to be a bit of a scapegoat. But, um, yeah, let's just say yesterday wasn't his greatest performance in a Watford shirt. I will hold my hands up there. But, Ben, when you looked at that starting 11 at 2 o'clock, how, how was you feeling? Was you feeling confident, quietly confident? You can never be too loudly confident as a Watford fan, but uh, how was you feeling about that? Um, well, I, I liked seeing Hughesy and Gray was back on the bench. I thought that made our bench a lot stronger than it has done in previous games. But looking at the starting eleven, I thought it looked more negative than what it did against Wickham. Taking out Quinner and replacing him with Chalabar, that wasn't a very offensive decision. Um, I, I, it kind of put us on the back foot a bit more. And I, I've, I've been with you uh, talking about Chalabar this season. I thought it was a bit of a scapegoat, but... His performances have been very, very poor this season, and I'm no longer really defending him anymore. I don't think he's good enough for our starting eleven. Very, very interesting views. Very, very, you know. I, I, listen, I, I think he's obviously not been the same since his injury a couple of seasons ago, and I totally understand that. But I just think these last few games. His body language just isn't what you want to see in a Watford midfield. You know, the midfield have extra work to do because of the wingers where the wingbacks looking to get up. So <clears throat> they, you know, like to, they need to do extra work. We know that. But um, yeah, Chalaba's really not been at the races. Um, I thought he was all right against Wickham. But yesterday, no good. Um, James, I want to get your view on something here. Uh, a lot of yeah. people on Twitter have sort of pointed this out over the last few games. Sarah's a second striker. Yes or no? Absolutely not. Now, I'm going to have a bit of a rant here. So, Pedro and Saar, they're obviously top quality players. Saar, obviously, great great player last season in the Premier League for us. Probably should be playing for, for a Champions League side. And it's just a shame that I don't think he's being utilised how he should be. Because Pedro and Saar, as a pairing, should, for me... Um, players wide, players with, with a central striker up top. And I just don't think that this this formation, this system suits Saar as, is, as he tends to drift out wide for me. He, he drifts out wide too much and he doesn't get in the box when he should and it means it limits our attacks because there's no one no one to aim for in the box. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Ben, just going off what James has just said there, obviously he'd prefer to see two players out wide. Do you think the reason Ivic has played this system is because he's maybe not had the players he wants ready? Do you think we'll see a a shift in the um, the formation now that Gray's back and Troy's coming back in a couple of weeks as well or maybe even next week, I don't know. 
Yeah, I just don't think he's got the players to play in those roles, unfortunately. Mm. I'm with James. I totally agree. Um, Saar's a waste playing up top. He, he's, they're putting him through the centre, but he, he's searching for the ball all the time. He's having to come wide to get the ball, and that's, that's where he's most effective. But, yeah, he needs to play on the right. Pedro or Sema needs to play on the left, and we need a proper centre-forward through the middle. It's yeah. unfortunate that the Glenn Murray transfer hasn't really worked out. I don't think Ivic really rates Glenn Murray too much. Otherwise, we would have seen more of him this season. Yeah. But, um, maybe we might see Andre Gray through the middle, but I don't know about you two, but I think this team is screaming out for Troy Deeney. We say yeah. every season... Um, whenever Troy's out the side, we're like, oh, that's all right. We might play better football without Troy Deeney. The real thing is, when Troy Deeney's not in the team, we're not a, we're not, we're not a together uh, team, are we? We, we right. look completely lacklustered up front. We've got no presence. We thought we might have got that with Parizia last week, but unfortunately he had that injury. But um, yeah, I just feel like we're missing Troy Deeney up top. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to make a point now. I think Parizia would do very well in that role. You know, look at his goal, for example, against Bournemouth. Uh, and uh, listen, you know my guys. You you guys know my view on Troy Deeney. But if Saar puts that ball in against Bournemouth, is Troy Deeney doing that sort of instinct to get onto the end of it and scoring? I don't think mm. so. Um, yeah. I think Parizza would do well in that middle, and then you've got Saar and um, Pedro either side of him. But it looks like, and it's sounding like the the sort of murmurs from the club is that it's Andre Gray that's very much going to be putting that role. And listen, um, I'm sure Ben will hold his hands up as well as me, but um, we we've sort of maybe been a bit critical of Andre Gray on this podcast in previous sort of months, but I do think that at this level, Andre Gray can get you goals. He's done it for Luton, um, sorry for swearing, and he's done it for uh, for Brentford as well. So, yeah, you know, and Burnley, and Burnley as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, listen, I, I might have said this before, so apologies if I have. But um, whenever we used to play a team that Andre Gray was playing for, he was the first name he was looking for, hoping that he wasn't playing for whatever reason. When when he got banned for Burnley for those old tweets that surfaced. That was brilliant news for us. I was like, yes, no one tried great for them. But we sort of don't have that fear factor from our side when we, we see him in the starting eleven. But I think we can implement him this season. And hopefully he goes on to um, to actually score some goals and get us back up to the Prem. But Troy Deeney, absolutely, we, we do miss him. And we'll talk about this a little bit later in the podcast. But I think Stoke would be the perfect game because we know what their game plan is. And player like Troy Deeney against a team like Stoke would be absolutely massive. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But... Yeah, so obviously we've talked about the starting 11, sort of mixed emotions around it. Um, six minutes it took Barnsley to score. Alex Mowit, the former Leeds player, um, there was a mistake from Will Murray give the ball away and Kapu wasn't quick enough to get there and close him down. And Alex Mowit had the freedom of Oakwell, uh, I think, at one stage. And he's just absolutely wellied it. You, you can't blame Foster for that, I don't think. Some was in his eyes, caught him off guard, should have been closed down a lot quicker. And he's took the goal well. And I think other than that, Foster hasn't had much to do that whole game. And unfortunately, the same for uh, Jack Walton in the Barnsley goal. But yeah, it's just frustrating to see, isn't it, Ben? You know, Wilmot's giving the ball away. I, I get that players will give the ball away. You know, we're not perfect. But I think Kapu's got to be, uh, you know, closing down much quicker. I thought I thought he was very poor in the first half. Uh, I think credit to Alex Murray. He scored an identical goal last week against Millwall as well. And you just don't save those. No. Like you said, maybe maybe the sun was in Foster's eyes so he, he couldn't really see it. But the moment it left uh, Murray's foot, it was going in one place, wasn't it? And that was the top bins. Um, so, yeah, you're not saving that. But what I would say is, you might not be able to stop saving those. Uh, to, you might not be able to save those, sorry, but you can definitely stop the shot. Um, Will Motto uh, played an overweighted pass to Kapu. Kapu weren't really on his toes and weren't quick enough to react. But then I thought Kafkop was too slow to get across to try and make the block. Like mm. Defensively, we could have done a lot better to actually um, close down the shot and actually stop them from getting a shot on target. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just think that... The, the the praise that this defence has received so far this season from everybody and, you know, the the analysis that has gone into it when we've been on Sky, you know, look, when we played Derby, we were coming back in numbers, we're defending really well. Uh, we did have the best defensive record in the division uh, going into that game because um, 
Reading had lost 3-2 to Coventry, uh, but now I believe it's joint with the likes of, um, I think, Swansea, possibly. Uh, I know Birmingham were in there as well, but we, we it's joint best. So it's a little bit disappointing. But James, do you think maybe Ivic has got a sort of... I, 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 feel a bit stupid saying this because of how many games into the season we are, but do you think after mistakes like that, we sort of need to strip it back to basics maybe with defending or do you think it was literally just an, an off day and hopefully we can bounce back on Wednesday? No, I don't, I don't think it was an off, an off day because we've seen it in previous games and especially um, when we played Wickham. Um, I think the high, when people play a high press against us, our, our players just seem to panic in possession. And, and that's exactly what happened when, when Wilmot gave, gave the ball away. Mm. And obviously, he's, he's tried different personnel. He dropped Wilmot for a few games. He brought him back in, obviously, yesterday. Um, but, but, you know, it is that we did only concede one goal. And, and on another day, if we were clinical, we, we maybe could have got two or three and would be talking about a win. So we talk about our defensive frailties, but maybe if we get our attacking... Our, 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 our attacking right, our attacking flow, our attacking movements right, then maybe we could have been talking about a win instead. Well, I certainly think we should have been because, you know, I thought after that goal, we, we sort of maybe controlled it down a little bit. We, we got the feel of the ball. We were sort of more comfortable in possession. And I thought out wide, I don't know about you boys, but I thought Kiko Femenia was probably the best player on the pitch yesterday. Uh, not for the first time this season. The, the way that it, it was great, but at the same time, it was very frustrating. Uh, and Tommy Mooney picked up on it. And I, I sort of agree with what he was saying. I sort of don't because it sort of defeats what he was saying. So I thought the way that we got it out wide to Kiko Femenia was brilliant. And these balls across into the box, we were getting into the box, but we didn't have anyone clinical. And I thought, Ben, I, I don't know if you feel the same, but when Femenia was getting out wide, I thought it's been very evident this season that we've we've not sort of mixed it up in terms of which flank we use. It's very much a case of we either predominantly use the left flank or predominantly use the right flank. I think yesterday was very much using the right flank with Kiko and Saar, but I thought it was brilliant that he was getting into those positions and we were crossing the ball in and sort of making half chances. But I think A, the crosses had to be better. And B, I think it backs up what you've said, Ben. We need a player in there that's clinical, that's going to put them away. Yeah, we, we need we need a, a centre-forward in that six-yard box, don't we? Because yeah. that's where all those balls were going yesterday. I think Pedro's unlucky that he's, he didn't have the longer oh, studs on. If, he, if yeah. he did, I reckon that would have just gone in the back of a net. Um, yeah. Lovely ball across the six-yard box. But yeah, it's just getting the, the attackers in the right area. I did, I did think our crossing was quite poor yesterday. But yeah. like you say, Kicker was the best player on the pitch yesterday. And I, I quite liked how he was linking up with Ismail Sara too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, that was probably the best chance we had in the first half. And I, I say the best chance. It was a half chance at best. But as you say, if, had long, um, if Pedro had longer studs on, who knows, maybe that's going in. Uh, but I think when you see chances like that that don't go in, I think you sort of in your head, I was certainly thinking that just sums up to me that it's going to be one of those days. Uh, so we obviously went into the break 1-0 down, very disappointing, no shot on target, not for the first time this season that it's taken us longer than 45 minutes to register a shot on target. We've come out the second half, um, maybe the wind's behind us a little bit because the wind was quite strong in the first half and the sun, but bloody typical, the second half, the sun had gone in, uh, but I don't know how much the winds played a big part in the second half. But, Second half is really where the majority of the half chances come from. Um, I thought yesterday in the second half, we were the much better side. And I say better sides in possession and creating half chances. I think Barnsley were tiring. I thought they set up a low block. They, They were defending for their lives, basically. And I think at one stage in the second half, they were just happy that if the ball come near them, that's it. We're getting rid of it. We're putting it out. I don't care how. Uh, that's a, what a team like Barnsley will do to you. They will frustrate you. Much like a similar proposition to Wickham. Uh, and I, I had such high hopes that this was going to be a different game and Vlad was going to give them a rocket or two, but it wasn't to be. But second half, James, I, I, I'm still sort of replaying it in my mind. And I, I know you are, Ben, because I saw a tweet that you put to, uh, to someone earlier. But how's... <sighs> How's Cleverly missed it? 
I'm not. I'm not too sure. I think for me, it was just. I think there was too much pace on the ball, and he, he tried to get his his right foot on it, and it, he just def deflected it um, just beside the post. But you know that that is what you want. You want people getting into them positions, and and if we were doing that more often, then as I said earlier, maybe would have would have more success, and maybe we would have scored a couple of goals. But it was just too little, too late for me. Why Why didn't we get into them positions in the first half? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe if Domingos Kina was was on the end of that he might he might have scored so look it's just it's just unlucky ultimately and at the end of the day but um yeah I was on the edge of my seat when uh when he I, missed that I thought he'd gone in uh, and yeah but maybe I'm being too critical here maybe I don't know he's, he's cut it across and tried to the, the pace of the ball sort of killed him I don't know um but one player who did think had a much better second half was Kapu now Ben I, I don't know how you feel upon that but I thought the first half he was very lethargic. Body language again with Kapu. He was sort of looking around at times, sort of shrugging his shoulders, looking to the bench, almost as if to say, I don't know what you want me to do sort of thing. But second half, those Diags, that is the old Kapu that we love to see. And it was very evident that we were going to hammer that right-hand side, use Kika and Saar, much like the first half. But Kapu just loved them Diags, didn't he? Yeah, he does love it. But I, but I also feel like that's all we've got at the moment. That's, that's all we can do is just the diagonal ball. And it's frustrating to see. Yes, he can hit a magnificent diagonal ball, but we need to mix it up. We can't just do that all the time. It's coming, becoming very predictable. Um, but yeah, Kapu was much better second half than he was first half. Yeah, yeah, and you know it, it's very limited in terms of the chances we can talk about. But, but we we did create more half chances in this second half, and that Wilmot header. I, I think I've I've watched the replay, Ben, and I think it's come in, and I don't think it's hit him cleanly on the head. Otherwise, that was going in. But I think that fully, fully confirmed it for me. When that ball is glanced and it's bounced just before it's gone over, that confirmed it to me. I thought, right, I might as well switch the TV off now because we ain't scoring today. Uh, I I thought, like the cleverly one, I thought that was in. Yeah, I thought that was in as well. It was... It, he just needed to get his head over it a bit more, didn't he? And just headed it down into the turf and bounced, just bounced over. Yeah, I, I slumped in my chair when I saw that. I couldn't believe it. Like you say, it, was, it weren't our day again. Yeah, yeah. It, it was very frustrating. And I, I want to pick up on something you, you've just said, Ben. And James, I want to get your viewpoint on this. Um, you, you, Ben, just said, obviously, we've. it almost seems as if we've only got that one Kapu diagonal ball, get it out wide, try and fizz it across the box and hope for the tap yeah. in. Do you, a lot's been made about our recruitment policy and we've sort of addressed the centre-back um, situation. We bring in Trooster Kong in, who I, I think has been solid. Um, the striker situation, people wanted perhaps another centre-forward, but listen, we've got Gray to come back, we've got Troy Deeney to come back. So that bit I'm not so worried about. Left-back still to be addressed. But I think Femini is doing a brilliant job so far. Um, midfield, we've had a, um, a, a question come in from Adam Holloway on Twitter where he's saying that the re recruitment policy has been awful, that we need a left-back and a creative midfielder. Do you think that watching that same old Kapu out wide, ball into the box... And obviously, Chalabers under par performances. Do you think we need another midfielder, or do you think we've got the midfielders in the club? We're just not using them to the, the, the correct effect. Yeah, I think I think it is too predictable, and 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 I'm glad that that Will Hughes made made his comeback yesterday. Albeit, I think it was in the 89th minute, wasn't it? So he didn't really have enough time to impact the game. Mm. Um, and I think he could offer something different in there. But in terms of recruitment, I think um, no championship club had a net spend over two million pounds. So, and obviously with our relegation from the Premier League on top of the pandemic, it was really hard. Uh, I'm sure it was a hard job for them to to find players. Um, who, who could fill that role and, and not cost us a lot of money. Mm. Now, obviously, we had um, quality players who we thought would feature this season who ended up leaving the club. Um, obviously, seeing Delefeu, Pereira, Pissetto all go off to Udinese, and they're doing great, which is great to see. Yeah. Um, but I do think we need something different in there. And I think Kina is the key to that. And I think if we just change up the formation to my preferred 4-3-3, and Kina at the, at the head of that midfield, I think, I think we'd play... Um, would play great football. Yeah. Yeah. So from the sounds of it, it sounds as if you perhaps think that 
the answer is actually within the squad. We've just not used them or we've not used the correct or preferred um, formation, which is very interesting to get. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. And I but, think um, just, to, just to butt in there quickly yeah. on, on Ivich, I think um, I'm starting to see similarities with, with Nigel Pearson in the sense that he's very much regimented on his plan A and which is his 5-3-2 and it doesn't look like we have a plan B at the moment and I just really want to see him change things up for the next game because I think if we keep sticking to this formation mm-hmm. I think we'll be here every week talking about the same old 1-0, 2-1 defeats and um, yeah, it might, it might hinder him in the long term. Yeah, absolutely, it could indeed. And Ben, uh, we've had a question also from John Parslow who's um, a, a listener of ours asking... Is maybe the the problem that we've got the better, in you know ex, uh, quotation marks, uh, are the better players the problem once they've returned? You know, trying to fit Kapui in um, has maybe displaced Chalaba's protection, and we've lost control in midfield. Do you, do you feel that these better players coming back could be the, the the problem that we've got in midfield, or the problem that we've got in the team possibly? Uh, I don't think so. I just don't think we've really been great this season. We've managed to um, grind out 1-0 results, which has managed to get us three points along the way. But I don't think we've been very convincing along the way. Um, We've still got players to come back. It'll be interesting to see how we start performing once we do have Will Hughes starting matches, Parisia being fully fit, Andre Gray featuring, um, Troy Deeney being involved as well but I put it all down to a change of formation is just needed we got to ditch the three at the back and go 4-3-3 three, three, like uh, James has said already we need to stick Sar on the right we need to stick maybe Pedro or Semmer on the left and, and play like a centre forward down the middle of him the likes of Parisio or Dini um, and I'll tell you why we need to do all that it's yesterday we lost the ball 216 times mm. against Barnsley that's not good enough um, no. Once again, our midfield was overrun in midfield. We couldn't cope. Um, there was no link between midfield and attack. Um, something has to change quickly. Um, Chalibur's bang average is the shade of a player he used to be. Uh, I don't think he's good enough for our starting eleven anymore. Um, Cleverly shows good work rate, but that's about it. There's no quality in the final third. It's just painful to watch going forward now. Like last time in the championship, we had like so much creativity in like Alman Abdi, uh, Daniel Tozer. Uh, Minari, Guardiola, um, and now we've got nothing in the middle. We, we've got Quino, who's who's on the bench. He comes in and, and goes back out of the team. We've got James Garner. That I, I don't think Ivic knows what to do with him. We don't know if we want to play him in the sitting midfielder role. Or we need to play more advanced. Um, and all, all we've got, like I've said earlier, is that diagonal ball. Um, mm. But half the time yesterday, that diagonal ball ended up in the stands. Um, <laughs> yeah. And one and one point against Wickham and Barnsley is not good enough. No, no, it's not. And uh, we mean no disrespect to those teams, but realistically, when you look at our squad list and compare it to the likes of Barnsley, the likes of Wickham, I know football's not played on paper, but come on, guys, we've got to be getting more than one point out of those two games, I think. Yes, especially when you're a Premier League side, you've just been relegated, you're going down, you're looking at the fixture list and you're looking at Wickham and Barnsley and you're going, that's six points there, we need to get get six points of that. Coming away with one point, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and I don't mean to sound big-headed, but I think you're looking at those two fixtures and you're thinking, there's a chance to sort of up our goal difference. We could get maybe two, three, four against against these sides. James, was you going to say something then? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you, you think about the price we paid for, we paid for Saar, like £30 million, pounds, you know, yeah. and, and I'm sure Wickham would dream of being able to spend that much on a player and we're just not utilising um, our players well because you have to think that, you know, seven or eight of the players in the starting eleven played in the Premier League last year and were performing at a decent level so that you know we we saw they could do it last season obviously not enough because we've been relegated Mm. um but we need to be seeing more out of these players yeah well some interesting points that you two gents have just made off the back of those questions and we've had another question from um cameron who is also my brother Uh, i don't know if he actually listens to the show so i don't know why he's submitted this question hopefully if you are listening hello cameron um (laughs) james we'll come to you first 
Cameron has asked, our best 11 when everybody is fully fit. Now, I assume you're going to go down the route of 4-3-3. Three, three. So let's mm-hmm. say for argument's sake, we're going 4-3-3, three, three, like the fans want to see. Who would you say our best 11 is based on a 4-3-3 three, three formation when everybody's fit? Obviously, we've got to go for Fozzie in goal, haven't we? Um, he's not really done anything wrong, I'd say, so far this season. Couldn't have done much for the goal yesterday. So, obviously, Ben Foster in goal. Um, going for a back four, probably Ken Semmer at left back, as we didn't recruit a, you know, a, a left back as we all called for. So, he'll have to deputise there for me. I think he's performed quite well. I'd go with Cabasele and Trust Akong as our two centre-backs mm-hmm. and Kiko Femini at right back. And then probably go for a midfield three. Um, Capoose sitting the deepest out of the three, um, just to kind of shield shield them two centre backs. And then when Hughes is fully fit, Hughes in there and Domingos Kina with João Pedro on the left, Sartre on the right, and Andre Gray or Peritza up top. Wow. Well, 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 this, this show's meant to be child-friendly. That was a bit X-rated, that was, James. Uh, <laughs> the, sound of that, uh, the sound of that starting 11. Whew, getting a bit warm in this room, I'm recording it. Um, ben, have you got any, uh, you got any difference yet? I'm not even going to try and say that word again. Have you got any players that you change uh, from the team that James has just reeled out? Um, yeah, a few changes. Um, yep. So obviously Ben Foster in goal. I'll, I'll go for four three three as well. By the way, yeah, uh, a back four of Adam Messina, back to left back. Ooh, yeah, some, I forgot about him. We'd have some balance down that left hand side. Finally, um, Wilmot Econ in the the centre, Kiko on the right because I think he's, he's done brilliant lately. I think he probably deserves that right back spot over in Gakia. Um, Kapu and Hughes are sitting. Quinner in front of them, and then Sartre on the right, Semmer on the left, and Andre Gray through the middle. Well, very different teams. Very no Jao Pedro then. No, if I was playing Jao Pedro, it would be him or Semmer on the left hand side. Um, I I think he still needs to get to grips with the championship a bit more. Um, So. I, I, I think it's a bit dangerous playing him week in, week out. I can see him getting yeah. burnt, burnt out quite quickly. So for the time being, I'll probably play Semmer on the left. And okay. then when, when it gets to rotation, you, you probably see Jao uh, Pedro come in a bit more. Because I don't see him as a centre-forward, do you? No, I don't see him as, as playing as a centre-forward. I think he I think he's much better cutting in off that left-hand side. Um, but, but yeah, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Semmer's not, again, not really done anything wrong this season. He's probably been one of our better players. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you there, actually. Yeah, Thank you. Those, those, <laughs> those listening at home, I am still here. Uh, no, that was, uh, that was very, very good. Um, I, something you just said, Ben, in terms of Pedro playing week in, week out, you don't want him to burn out. Troy Deeney said the other week when he was on Hive Live, I think he was on the Hive Live game for the Blackburn game, He's come from a league where they're not used to playing this many games. Um, you know, I, I think even the Premier League games probably would have been a stretch for him if he was to play week in, week out. But it, it's a tough, gruelling league, this this division. So I, I do think you make a very good point there. Uh, my best 11... Quite, I think you need to keep him quite grounded as well. You don't want yeah. everything to go straight to his head and he thinks he's a big-time player already. Because you've got to remember, he's 19 years of age as well. He's, he's quite fragile in the head. Um, so, yeah, yeah you, you need to keep him quite grounded and keep him on a leash a bit. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, in terms of my starting eleven, we'll finish talking about the Barnsley game, thank God, uh, off the back of this. But my starting eleven would be Ben Foster in goal, also a four-three-three. Um, Adam Messina left back. Ben, when you mentioned him, I, do you know what? I completely forgot about him because we've just not heard anything for for a for a bloke who's meant to be coming back this month. We've not heard anything. So, yeah. I think he's him. more back January time, I've seen. Oh, you're joking. That's, a, that's, a yeah, that's actually why I didn't include him. I, I, would, I would have him in mind. But well, he's not be back James, so long. the question was when everyone's <laughs> fully fit. So, <laughs> you've had your sorry. Chance, yeah, you've had your chance. You will have <laughs> to sit there and learn from your mistake. My answer. There, there might not be a next time after that, James. I might have to rethink this whole thing. Uh, no. Um, so, Ben Foster in goal, Adam Messina left back. I think. Uh, Wilmer and Trooster Kong centre back. Sorry, Cabs and sorry, Kafka. Uh, right back, Kiko Femenia. The three in the middle. I would also have the um, Kapu, Hughes, and Quinner trio. Uh, how they would be playing, I don't know because I noticed that James, you said 
Capu would be sitting the deepest of the two uh, of the three, and then Ben, you said that Capu and Hughes would be sitting the deepest of the uh, the the three. So I I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence and just sort of say they're my midfield trio. I think Capu does need to sit defensively deeper though, uh, but I don't know if I've had I've, I'd have Hughes next to him, uh, and then the three up top I would also go Sar out wide, um, Semach out wide as well, and then. God, this is like uh, I, I want to choose Troy because Troy's Troy and like yeah, but I, I just think Parisa he's he's got so much to offer, you know. I know he's had this injury and hopefully it's not sort of damaged his confidence in any way and he doesn't sort of play a bit like Bambi on ice because he doesn't want to get hurt. But I do, th- I just think that Parisa is. If he gets a run of games in this team, I, I think he's going to surprise a lot, a lot of people. Uh, so I'm going to go Parizza. Uh, so that's my best eleven when everybody is fully fit. Um, and then Troy can be his regular uh, understudy. Uh, obviously, Parizza's been a bit unlucky, hasn't he? I mean, he played, he played he in the Carabao Cup, got sent off, rightly sent off three though. games. Then he yeah. come back, started, got injured. So yeah, hopefully he. Uh, he recovers quite quickly and we can see him again. Yeah, I think uh, Ben actually put a tweet up on our Twitter saying that he doesn't require surgery and he should be back for uh, after the international break, which unfortunately we've got another one to face in a, in a few weeks. But uh, that actually brings me nicely into the next piece that we're going to talk about uh, before the international break. We've got another nice easy game on Wednesday night, boys. Home to Stoke City, uh, who... Michael O'Neill's gone in since taking over as boss and he's turned them around. They they got a, a 1-0 win yesterday against Rotherham. Um, not Probably not the prettiest result, but listen, how used are we to 1-0 results? You know, that that's all we're used to so far this season. But as we know, in the Championship, these are the type of games that you need to sort of grind out these performances. But it's going to be a, a tough old game, Ben. You know, we, we know when we've played against Stoke from memory, I don't think our home record's too good against Stoke. Uh, I'm not too sure what the home records are. You're the one who does the stats. You'll have to let me yeah. know, mate. I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> let you know, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's nev- never an easy game when you play Stoke. You kind of know what you expect. I think they've maybe transitioned a little bit over Michael O'Neill. I think um, they'll probably play a bit more football on the uh, floor, but they're very, they play yeah, very aggressive style of football still. Um, and they, they, he's getting a tune out of James McLean as well. He looks a completely different player um, for them this season. And most of the goals and assists are coming through him. Yeah, he scored yesterday against Rotherham. So um, they are now level on points with us. We, 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 we're in the playoffs just by the skin of our teeth. Our goal difference is better by one than Millwall because they got smacked by uh, Huddersfield yesterday, which I didn't see coming. Um, so James, obviously. Stoke uh, level on points with us. We're, we're on 15 points after nine games. Do you do you think? Well, how do you think this game's going to pan out? Because we look good at home. I'm much. Feel, I feel much more confident when we're at Vicarage Road than compared to when when we're away. Yeah, I think so. We're, still, we're undefeated at Vicarage Road so far this we season, are. aren't we? So, so it definitely gives us a bit more confidence playing at home. Um, for me, Stoke's always a bit of a bit of a difficult game. I don't really have many good memories of Stoke home or away. It's always, it's always very, um, very aggressive, very dirty. Um, you know, a lot of rainy nights, a lot of cold evenings. So, um, I'm expecting a tough game. A lot of lot of challenges to be put in. Um, as you said earlier, someone like Troy is probably ideal for that game, but I don't think um, that he, he'll be back for that or even starting. So, um, look, yeah. it's, it's going to be a difficult game as, you, as usual against Stoke. Obviously, as you said, both on 15 points. Um, with Reading losing this weekend as well, I was hoping we could capitalise oh, on yeah. that. But, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's a bit frustrating, but, but hopefully, um, as all the players posted on social media yesterday, we move on to Wednesday and... Uh, Hopefully we can get that win. Yeah, I, I think they probably said that after Tuesday. We move on to Saturday. Uh, look what happened. <laughs> uh, just a couple of things I, I want to point out what you've just said there. You, you don't have uh, many good memories from Stoke. Uh, I, I, you may be showing your age a little bit there, James. But uh, Ben, I don't know if you'll recall this, but 2005-06 season when we went up, we, we went there and we, uh, we beat them 3-0. I think they had um, Thomas Sorensen in goal back then and he got sent off. Uh, but yeah, Ben, do you remember that game or... Am I just uh, very 
very um, vaguely remember yeah. it. Um, the one that stands out for me is um, our first year back in the Premier League and yes. Troy Deeney's first goal in the Prem. Um, yes, yes, yes. Him and uh, Igala linking up and then Abdi scoring in the second half. And I, I was in there. I was in the away end. I remember it very well. It was a very cold, wet day. Um, yep. Quite windy as well. The away pub was across the road in the Harvester. And we had to queue up to get in. Um, it was like one in, one out. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good away day. But yeah, um, yeah, I think they're the only two good memories we've got from Stoke over recent years, though. I think so. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out: James maybe alluded to Troy Deeney um, being a good option to play against them. Uh, perhaps not. I think the last time we played Stoke at home, when Troy Deeney played, he tried to gouge Joe Allen's eye out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and I think he had to have. Uh, I think that's when he. He sort of thought to himself, I'm going to have to start therapy because, as we all know, it's well documented that Troy Deeney has therapy sessions to help with his anger and mental health. And I think he alluded to the Stoke game being one of the games where he sort of perhaps had to look at himself and think, mm, should I really be doing that? Um, but I, I do think a, a player like Troy would be good against a team like Stoke. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a different different proposition. Uh, I will say this very quietly, but I feel much more confident that we're at home than if we were travelling to Stoke. Because in four games, we've picked up 10 points at home, which is the fifth best record in the league. Fifth best home record in the league, I should say. Um, and Stoke at ninth in the away table from four away games, they've picked up seven points. So, you know, on paper, it should be a pretty even game, but I do feel much more confident. Um, as always on the show, we do speak to the next opponent we we always try and speak to a fan from the next opponent uh, and we did just that we spoke to the podcast um the why 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 files uh we don't know why they're they're, they're called that either but we he did go into that for us um about the game on wednesday night and how the feelings are from the stoke camp uh, and this is what was said <laughs> Yes, we're here with Ben from the Why 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 Files podcast. Now, Ben, I don't usually ask this, but what what's the motivation behind the name? It, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a bit confusing to me. So, so the motivation is a uh, our song is Delilah down at Stoke and Why 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 Delilah. So uh, yes, there's your tie in there. Yeah, that makes sense, actually, comes to think of it. I, th- I knew there'd be a logical reason. I knew it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, everybody asks that. I quite like the niche. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good name. Um, so we'll start at the very beginning. Um, you've for this season, you've you've brought in five players, if my research is correct. Uh, the most notable name, I think, uh, people will say is probably John Obi Mikel. Um, what what do you think of your transfer activity as a whole for the start of this season? It's been very frugal, to be honest with you. Um, Obi was a free. You mentioned him. Um, high-profile player, um, what we needed in the heart of midfield. Stephen Fletcher, another guy that you'll know at this level. Fantastic yeah. player to pick up on a free from Chef Wednesday. Um, Morgan Fox, our left-back for the first time we've had in, I think we've signed one in 15 years or something <laughs> like that. So to, to have him this season is great. Uh, Jacob Brown in as well from Barnsley, very, very good. Um, Angus Gunn, obviously, as a replacement for Butland is very good as well. Um, I'm very pleased. Like we we've not spent a lot of money, but we brought in some good players. I'm not sure what their wages are like. I can't imagine that some of them are older. They would be on massive wages. They're coming towards the end of their career. So I'm I'm really pleased. We've managed to to keep hold of some good players as well and ship out some ones that we're not that we're not very interested in either. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to ask you this in a second now, but obviously, finishing 15th last season, 56 points. Um, well, well clear of the relegation zone in the end of things. But do you think that although you've only brought in a select few, do you expect maybe to challenge for a higher finish this season? What What your overall aims uh, for this season as a Stoke City fan? Um, I I think we've got to aim for better, considering that last season we were tipped again to be promoted. Um, obviously, that went really sour. We were bottom after, I think, 14 games. And we looked like that we were going to get relegated rock bottom of the league. Michael O'Neill come in and he's changed everything. It's less the players that we brought in in the last six months or so. It's more Michael O'Neill. His influence has been 
wonderful to be honest we've been a sinking ship since 2016 um and O'Neill's turned that around and I'm, I'm not saying that we should aim for promotion I think that uh, a stretch goal should definitely be playoffs um and and that's sort of where we are now yeah um but but just any a, a nice stable season, one where we don't have too much drama, will be lovely because we've had quite a lot of drama in the last few years, and I'm fed up of it. So just having a season of no drama, no regrets, yeah, just a just a quiet season, and then maybe next season we look to make a more serious challenge. But to be honest, it's it's looking more and more difficult with parachute payments as as we go. But I'm pleased. Yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, the fact of Michael O'Neill coming in. Uh, for those that don't know, obviously, he did a very, very good job. I was certainly thought as the Northern Ireland boss, and um, I'm very surprised he left the post, actually. But, um, you know, he, he's he's come in, and as you say, he's sort of turned the ship around, so to speak. Now, one thing which you must get a lot, which I feel a bit bad asking you, but obviously there's that sort of tag that comes along with Stoke City. You, you sort of think that sort of style of football, uh, you know, the, dating back to the Tony Pulis side. Is that one thing that you've seen under Michael O'Neill? Is there maybe you're playing it more on, on sort of, you're playing more with the ball, or is it still very much the same style of football? I think... Michael O'Neill doesn't seem to have a set style in terms of attacking, in my opinion. We've gone with a three-back, which is unusual for somebody that would you know, pretend to sort of lump balls forward. Um, direct, maybe, but not necessarily in a sense of lofted balls, maybe just getting the ball up the pitch quickly. I think possibly the reason why we've been successful under him, like to we've been successful when we, uh, you know, in the last few years in the Premier League, is because we are more resolute in defence, absolutely more resolute in defence um, since the latter stages of Marcuse and then the manager we had after that we were shipping goals, four or five most games in the Premier League and then quite frequently in the Championship too and it was embarrassing but I can't think how many clean sheets we've got this season it's got to be more than five, maybe six or seven it's a lot and that's down to Michael O'Neill's organisation some really good choices at the back, a blend of youth and experience, and it's worked ever so well. That's where I draw the comparisons at the back. Up top, we've got a target man and some pacey wingers. You could draw those conclusions as well. Um, But yeah, we're not the hoofball team that we used to be, which I'm kind of happy about. But at the same time, it, it, if it worked before in the championship, then maybe that's something that we should consider too. Yeah, well, you know, it's obviously not doing too bad a job so far because you, you, you're outside the playoffs on goal difference. I mean, the only reason that we're sixth is uh, I think our goal difference is better by one thanks to Huddersfield uh, giving Millwall a thumping at the weekend. So he must be doing something right. And it, that really points to a close game on Wednesday night. Now, in terms of from a Stoke point of view, who would you say that is there maybe one player or maybe there's a couple of players that you think Watford should be sort of looking out for as the sort of danger man for Stoke? See, I would have said um, uh, Adam Davis, but he got injured uh, in midweek last week, which is really, really gotten for Stoke. He's been incredible in goal, yeah. absolutely incredible. Big reason why we've kept the clean sheets. I'll name two. Harry Souter at the back, young lad. Um, he's been phenomenal. Big, big bloke. You'll notice him. Um, and he's just a classic defender who's not scared to get stuck in, but he's got a bit of athleticism too, and he's clever for a young lad. Um, and then I mentioned Stephen Fletcher. He, he's he's just been class. He's that class target man we've wanted for a long time. He's not just a guy who can kick a ball up to. He will lay balls off. He's a class finisher as well. He looks like he's going to score every time he plays. That's not saying that he will do, but there, there are two dangerous characters at each end of the field for me. Yeah, no, it's interesting you mentioned that with Stephen Fletcher. Obviously, he's got quite a decorative career uh, in the championship and you, you sort of straight away, you hear his name and you think, you know, he, he's he's got goals at this level. Um, and sort of, we're sort of on the same page with Glenn Murray, but it hasn't perhaps worked out for uh, for Glenn Murray so far with, uh, with Watford. But there's a long old season, so it could change. Uh, now, in terms of, from our point of view if you, you you've been a Stoke City fan you're looking at that Watford side is there any one player or again maybe two or three or one um, player that you're looking at thinking oh dear <laughs> he's gonna be a, a problem <laughs> oh, I mean 
your team sheet, I think it's been noted through a number of outlets, is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It yeah. really is on paper. But then this is something I'd say. Um, Stoke fans said exactly the same when we got relegated. We had Joe yeah. Allen. We had Jack Butland. We signed Sam Klukas. We signed Tom Ince, possibly one of the best players in the championship last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and it completely fell apart. We were terrible. That's not saying that the same will happen to you, but it, it's... It, <laughs> Names alone don't get you promotion. And hopefully, I've, I've not seen much of you guys, I'll be honest, um, but I, I hope those players are motivated to keep you up and get you promoted again. That's going to be your biggest struggle, keeping those players motivated to play for you. And I hope it works out. Um, Ismail Sarr has got to be <laughs> the biggest shock. It, I mean, there was about 40 million to Liverpool. How he stayed yeah. in the championship is remarkable. But then Roberto Pereira is a class player as well. I'm, I'm not sure if you still have him. I think you do. No, um, he's, um, he's gone to Udinese. Um, oh, which, yeah. See, yeah. This, see, this is the thing. It, <laughs> it must be very difficult just to keep track of who's going in and out of Watford because yeah. you've got so many players that you would expect to have left mm. and they've stayed. And this is why now I'm assuming that you kept everybody. Delafe, you left very close to the end of the window as well, am I right? On loan to Udinese, yeah, there's a, there's a theme here. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So it, it's very hard to keep track of who you kept. Saar has got to be very, yeah. very, very scary, particularly for our defence, which on the left-hand side is pretty slow normally because we normally pick a Chester or a Bart. Um, yeah. So hopefully we try and combat that. Um, but we'll see. We know you've got a number of danger men in there. And you, you, you're just a class team all around, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. You made that point at the start there. You, you look at the team sheet and you think all these names, you're thinking, bloody hell, these players are going to be in the championship. And funnily enough, when the squad numbers were released, there was, obviously, being as decorative as that squad list was, everybody from all the teams were saying that shouldn't be allowed in the championship. Us as Watford fans knew that there was probably about eight or nine on that list when it was published that they weren't going to be with the club for the the beginning of the season. But there were a lot of comparisons to that Stoke team that you referred to. So it is very, very interesting. And hopefully uh, we we don't tail off as as you say Stoke did that season. So fingers crossed. Um, In terms of the game itself, uh, we're obviously tied on points after the same amount of games, 15 points. It's always quite a close. I was looking through the scores earlier for uh, for my research for for the uh, midweek stats that we do, uh, and it's usually quite a close encounter in terms of I can't really remember other than 2006 an absolute thrashing between the two sides. So, what what would you say the score prediction? What what's your score prediction? Oh God, um, it's been such a strange season. Looking at it all around, there's been so many goals, but with Stoke, with Stoke games, there just hasn't been. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a one-one draw. I think it's gonna be cagey to some extent. Yeah, but I think it's just gonna be a, a a game where you've got two good teams on show that almost cancel out each other. That might not end up being the case. One might not turn <laughs> up on the day, but I I think these are two good sides going at each other um, in reasonably good form, as you pointed out as well. Um, so I'm I'm expecting a good bit of quality in this game and a good watch as well. Yeah, hope so because as you say, you you've not seen many goals for Stoke this season, and we've been exactly the same. You know, quite a few one nil wins, some scrappy games. But at the end of the day, in the Championship, if you can get a win, it doesn't matter whether it's one nil or four nil. So yeah, hopefully it's a bit more entertaining because recently we've uh, we've we've not seen that from Watford. So uh, and then we always finish up on the question of three to go up and three to go down. Um, starting with we went with three. To go down last week, so starting with you, three to go up, please, Ben. Oh God! <laughs> because I'm on a Watford podcast, I'm going to say Watford because I'm nice. And to be fair, yeah, I don't expect answer. you to win the league anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, who did I say? Brentford, yeah. I think will come good, um, despite losing some players. They will come good, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to go with Norwich as well. Yeah. Yeah, I like maybe a bit obvious in terms of the teams that I'm picking, but I think there's a good level of team in the championship this year. There's a there's a very stark difference between top and bottom where last year there wasn't. Yeah. Um so yeah, those those three for me. Yep. And you three to go down? 
It's lo- it's looking tough for Sheffield Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, very, very, much very so. tough. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna condemn them. I'm afraid. Um, the same for Wickham. Bless them. Yeah. I know they got the first win, um, but they they seem to be fish out of water. If they manage to stay up, then congratulations. They they've done a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna say Wickham, and. Just because I don't like them, I'm going to say Derby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can understand they're down there at the moment. So, uh, oh yeah. well, that's it. We'll keep them down there. <laughs> no, that's uh, yeah. There's some interesting picks there for uh, for them to go down. They've not come up in the uh, the predictions to go down yet. So, uh, mm. but then again, we haven't had a, a Forest podcast on yet, so I'm sure that will change uh, <laughs> in weeks to come. But uh, yeah, no, that's super. That, Thank you very, very much for coming on, Ben. And like I say, hopefully, it's an ent- entertaining game for both of us. Um, it's, um, yeah, I think we're in, both in for a long season, I think. But hopefully I'm wrong there. But yeah, thank you very much. The podcast that Ben does will be in the link to the, uh, the Twitter on our tweet when the podcast comes out. Uh, but yeah, thank you very, very much for coming on, Ben. And uh, hopefully you have a good rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say best luck for the game, but that's not quite true. Best luck for the yeah. season, most definitely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all the best. Thanks for having me on. I really no appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. So, some very, very interesting points made there, gents. And I think it just sums up that we, we know that this is, going to, this is Stoke. It's that old cliche, isn't it, James? Stoke on a you know, wet, rainy Tuesday, although we can change it to Wednesday, Wednesday night. Um, it, it, it's it's going to be a tough old game, but I think if we come through this one, the players that have played in the Championship will know the proposition of Stoke. Um, and if we come through this one, this could be a massive one for our confidence, James. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think a lot of our fan base are very re- reactionary. I've seen a couple of people saying, I've oh, out already. Which <laughs> yeah, don't frankly, get me started on them. It's quite frankly ridiculous. So, um, so yeah, they're absolutely at home. Um, players should be confident playing at home. So that obviously yep. we, we just got to get, we got to get the win. I, d- I don't care whether we have ten percent possession, seventy percent possession, or we just get a scrappy own goal. I couldn't care less. Just need yep. to get the three points on Wednesday. Absolutely. And Ben, after Wednesday, we are at home again um, against, uh, dare I say, a struggling Coventry City side. Although they were struggling, they beat top of the league and beat Reading on uh, Friday night. But two back-to-back home games, Wednesday, Saturday, perfect chance for all those Ivich out brigade to sort of slowly crawl back into the, the, uh, the, the wilderness. Big, big chance here to get six points. And uh, I know we probably said the same leading up to these two, but we're at home now. We feel much more confident at home. So really, would you say that we've got to be looking at six points here out of the next two games? You were looking at six points for the last two games as well. I know that. (laughs) 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 Uh, But yes, um, back-to-back home games is exactly what we need right now. Um, Like you've both said, we seem to be performing much better at home than we are on the road this season. So two back-to-back home games is ideal. And I think a Wednesday night's game against Stoke will be difficult. um, But you're fully expecting to beat Coventry on Saturday. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going to be very, very interesting. But uh, yeah, I think that about sums up this podcast. Uh, as always from me, Ben, and now James, uh, we, we thank you very, very much for, for listening. And like I say, James is going to be joining us for those slightly bigger occasions, the games uh, where where you sort of look and think, OK, this is going to be a corker. So uh, we will obviously let you know the next time that James is going to be on. Uh, but from myself, Ben and James, thank you very, very much. Thank you for the continued support, whether it's on here, on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, you name it, we're on all of them. So thank you. Don't forget as well that on Wednesday, we are trialling a new way of reacting to midweek games. We're actually going to be going on YouTube live to talk about the game on Wednesday night as opposed to Instagram live. So don't forget to go and subscribe to our YouTube page. The link to our YouTube page, by the way, is in our Twitter bio. So if you head over there, subscribe, and I think turn notifications on. Uh, that's what the YouTube whizzes say nowadays. Uh, James, you, you probably could have told me that, actually. You, you, you're the young book here. Um, but yeah, no, thank you very much. And 
yeah, thanks for sticking by us and listening to us. We have endured a bit of a bumpy road, a point a point out of two games where we should have really been looking at three. But hopefully, next time we speak to you, um, it will be about the Coventry City game. Uh, and I believe we're actually going into a international break after that. But it will uh, hopefully it will be about get, getting six points. It'll be typical because. Um, Coventry and Stoke on paper you would probably say that the six points there would be harder to come by uh, and that's what Watford do we make things hard for ourselves so hopefully the next time that we speak to you we'll be talking about six points gains but as always thank you very very much for listening enjoy the rest of your week and your weekends and uh, keep the faith come on your horns <laughs> Podcast Network.